Welcome to our first ever college football playoff episode of Football on the 40. As we have known for over three weeks now, Texas will face Washington in the Sugar Bowl on New Year's Day in one of the semifinal matchups of the college football playoff. We'll be talking about that shortly. I'm Jake Robinson, joined by Andrew Harris and Bowen Kai. Kevin is feeling under the weather, so he'll be back for the next episode, which will hopefully be a preview of the national championship. Our show is produced by Hamilton Lizer. In addition to CFP Talk, we'll also have a special segment featuring a mini oral history of the Texas Longhorns since 2010, as well as we will uh, we will also have the penultimate betting corner of this awful betting season. But before all of that, we just celebrated Christmas. So let's hear an update. Andy, you are first. Yeah, it was a good Christmas. Um, got to spend some time in San Antonio. Um, just got back to Houston today. So overall, it was a it was a good time. Glad I got to see family. And I've also traveled to Dallas this Christmas break as well to see uh, family on Mary Page's side of the family. Um, but I will say I'm definitely ready to not travel with a child for a bit. So thankful to have a little bit of a break. And hopefully during that break, we see a Longhorn victory. But we'll see. Uh, Bowen, how was your Christmas? It was great. We came down to Sugarland, um, see my folks. It was our first time coming down to Sugarland with both Theo and Alfie on the road. So that was a that was a good experience. We had it was actually a good experience, but it was you know packing for both of them and you know consolidating space and everything like that. But yeah, had a lot of fun, and we also celebrated my dad's birthday just tonight, uh, slightly earlier because Hamilton, our producer, is having us over for new year's at his family's ranch so won't be in town um on my dad's actual birthday so got to celebrate a little early with him so that was a lot of fun um yeah jake what about you yeah it's been a good christmas so far kind of in the middle of it for me so this is my fiance macy and i's first christmas we've actually spent together and so the um we started out with the Seymour leg of the of the of the holiday where we celebrated with her family. And uh, today we re- were recording on Tuesday, uh, day after Christmas. And today we had our own little Christmas celebration before the recording of this, just the two of us. And then we had to my hometown, Smiley, to celebrate with my family next before we rounded out at the ranch this weekend. So this is the one day where we are not um traveling over the 12 day 10 12 day stretch so but very exciting it's been it's been a great great christmas so far with about half of it down man y'all yeah y'all are doing a lot of driving for sure but i know it's fun <laughs> yes. it's fun getting to do holidays together for the first time and yeah excited for y'all and the many future holidays y'all have together that's right Oh, well, okay. I want to ask y'all real quick before we kind of dive into football, but do y'all have like a favorite Christmas tradition? Do y'all ever really think about this? Um, Jake, go ahead and yeah. share your favorite tradition. You don't have like a, a set tradition per se. Um, I really, we, I love spending lots of time with the family, especially that happens every year. Uh, my side of the family uh, our immediate family does a lot of games so that's kind of a little tradition that's really fun we do like a cookie decorating contest and we do some like minute to win it style games which is fun um but i would just say also uh christmas dates so macy and i have been on a lot this year and last year and we just there's a lot of fun christmas things to do in and around austin and so we've gotten to do quite a few of those and that's quickly becoming like a it, just a fun thing christmas is my favorite holiday um also macy's so we get to do a lot of christmas things for you know six weeks every year did y'all do trail lights we or did. y'all over okay we do trail we did that this year i don't know if we actually did it last year though but we definitely did this year there you go yeah i it's sad for sad for us because mary page and i always have like um a night where we go to austin every christmas season to celebrate like our first like official date that we had, which was putt putt and trail of lights. What a combination there. 
and uh, <laughs> uh, sadly, it rained a ton in Austin at night. So for the first time ever, we're, we were not able to do trail flights or putt-putt. And it's really sad because that putt-putt is most likely going to be torn down by this time next year. So it might just be a trail flight state going forward. <laughs> Bummer. But, oh, well, it's okay. Bowen, how was uh, a tradition that comes to mind? Yeah, something that um, Emily and I have been doing pretty much since we started dating is we we always get like a yearly ornament, um, just something that like encapsulates what that year, like some of the highlights or the memories from that year. Um, so we do one every year, like, you know, year when we moved back to Texas, we got an ornament. This year, obviously, the ornament was getting Theo and three years ago it was getting Alfie and so it's always fun to look back every year when we're setting up the tree like all the yearly ornaments and stuff so we really we really enjoy that and it's always nice to kind of see see what we're going to pick for the for the year to really uh to really sum up sum up some of what was special to us so yeah that's a lot of fun Andy what about you that's awesome yeah um I I love that tradition y'all do and uh, do y'all do do y'all pick out ornaments when y'all travel? Um, like like spots that we go to? Nah, not really. Um, okay. But if we like one year we did a lot of backpacking, so the ornament that we found was just a random like Etsy or Amazon one that had like 2018 and like it was like a map and like a compass and some hiking boots. So, um, that was ge- ge- geography based, I suppose. Yeah. No, I get that. Um. Yeah, I, that's totally understandable. Um, Mary Page and I, when we travel, we like to try to pick out an ornament of like the location we're at. So that's like our tradition with ornaments, but it's not necessarily um, an ornament tra- tradition like at this time of the year. But it is fun like getting to see the ornaments that you like picked out throughout the time um, mm-hmm. you've been together. And I don't know that what you said with Emily sounds really fun. So that's cool that y'all do that. Um, for me growing up, my dad would always read to us, uh, twas the night before Christmas on Christmas Eve. And, um, it's been cool because I've been able to carry on that tradition with Beasley this, uh, the last year and this year. Um, he obviously doesn't really understand what I'm reading to him, but hopefully in a few years, he'll kind of pick up on it and, yeah, it, to me, it was like a really fun tradition growing up. But oh, well, uh, any other traditions before we go on to the next segment? All right. OK, so this is our rotational segment for the week. I this idea just kind of came to me because. We, you know, are in the Christmas season is truly a gift that we made the college football playoff. Um, not, not to be corny, but like. It is, it is a gift and really thankful that we have the opportunity to potentially win a national championship this year. And obviously since 2010, from 2010 to 2022, was not very rosy or optimistic for Texas football. And so I kind of wanted to break down just like a quick oral history of Texas football during that time. I, um, yeah, I potentially in a, in a later pod, maybe it's a pod during the off season. I would like to kind of go into like further detail about just the history of Texas football during that time. But if we did that, we'd probably be talking for an hour tonight and we don't have that much time. So we're not going to do that. So we're just going to kind of break it down into four different eras. It's going to be pretty easy. It's going to be the Mac era, strong era, Herman era, then kind of talk about Sark at the end, but obviously his era Hopefully, and hopefully still has a uh, many more years to it. So, um, yeah, we won't really be able to talk too much about his time at Texas. Um, but yeah, let's just kind of dive into the Mac era. Uh, just starting off Bowen and Jake besides I, y'all kind of mentioned this in previous pods, but 2010, 2010 and 2011, how many games did y'all watch during that time? On TV or in person? On TV and in person. I guess, like, what is your, like, what was your interest level in Texas at that time? Well, 
I was very interested. I, I loved Texas, but I went to my first ever game in 2010, and then I went to one game in 2011 as well, which because those were the two years before we were in college. Right, uh, right. So I went to one game each year, and but probably watched, I would say, probably maybe 75% of them. I can't really remember, but probably most of the games. I was a pretty big fan, but maybe not like every single game fan. Right. Yeah, I probably watched like probably watched like half of them. And I didn't go to my first game until my freshman year. Until our freshman year. Yeah. So now that I mean that's completely reasonable. And like yeah, starting off into like going into twenty ten for those that are maybe our younger viewers or people that might have forgotten, you know, we came off a loss to Alabama in the national championship game. Colt got hurt. It was disappointing how the season ended, but overall it was, there was a lot of optimism going into the season. A lot of people thought Garrett Gilbert was going to be, you know, the third quarterback of the quarterback golden era of Texas football, starting with Fence, then Colt, then it was going to be Garrett Gilbert. Um, but yeah, it did not end up that way for, for Gilbert. He, uh, we ended up going five and seven in 2010 eight and five in 2011 Gilbert started all the games in 2010 did not do very well he had way more interceptions and touchdowns in 2011 he only started the first couple games after a really poor start against BYU he was benched and really never played the rest of the way and yeah during that time just that was kind of the beginning of the end for Mac um you know we just started losing a lot more games than any other time in his um, previously in his regime. But yeah, we in 2011, we still somehow beat AM. And it's an interesting thing because we kind of allowed ourselves, based on how the season ended, to generate kind of fake optimism going into the next year. So I guess, like, for y'all, how excited were y'all for like text football going into your freshman year? Um, I would say I was pretty excited. I mean, I lived with a walk on in the team. My freshman year roommate was, you know, on the football team. So I learned a lot about the football program pretty quick. And, um, and yeah, he like brought me up speed on the traditions. And, you know, I sat with him, I think at the first game before he was officially on the team. But um, yeah, I was pumped, man. I was I was a Longhorn fan forever, but hadn't really had the experience of going to any big games or you know went to Texas OU for the first time freshman year. Just yeah, I was I was I was pumped for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Bob? Pretty similar to Jake. I mean, definitely on the Kool Aid, and um, yeah, full fully fully indoctrinated into the to the burnt orange. Yeah, burnt orange yeah. life. No, I, I get that for sure. And um, I was pretty excited to going into freshman year, finally kind of at that point being able to say like, obviously none of us ever been on, on the team and wasn't even remotely close to being on the team. But at that point, it kind of felt like it was ours, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Where we actually had a real connection to the team because we went to the school there. So but yeah, um, 20, 2012, we got off to a real hot start, averaged a lot of points. Um, but then we lost a really close game to West Virginia. Um, do y'all remember how how much uh, jumping y'all did that game? Turn up DKR. Uh, so that was, was a different it? game. Oh, it was get loud DKR. No, so... Uh, what was <laughs> So the West Virginia game, uh, that was a jump around game. I don't I know, know but there was, but there was a, there was like a hashtag to get everyone to come to the game. And I think yeah, it was okay, turn no, up. You were right. Up you were right about that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was like a Facebook group with thousands, tens of thousands of people in it. <laughs> it was like a Facebook event, wasn't it? Yeah. When Facebook they event. Still, when they, Facebook when event. They still yeah. did Facebook events. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely happened. I, I totally forgot about that part of it. But yeah, turn up DKR was the following year against Oklahoma State. Um, we won't talk about that game too much, but we ended up losing that one. But there mm -hmm. was a Facebook event for this game because 
Kenny Ficaro said our home crowd sucked. And we're like, we're going to prove you wrong. And uh, they started to play and jump around in that game. Uh, when we came back to, I think we tied the score like 21 all at that point. Um, that was honestly a really fun time at DKR. Um, but we ended up losing that game. We lost to OU. We finished the year at nine and four. Just we had some potential and kind of fell off. But that was kind of last the last moment in the Mac era. That was kind of a bright note. Um, we started the season again at, at number fifteen, which we that's where what we were the previous year. So a lot of optimism going into this season. But then our favorite player, Taysom Hill, came oh, into our lives. <laughs> Oh gosh. Um yeah, I don't Jake, did you watch the game with us in 2015? Uh or, or 2013, I should say, uh the BYU game. I don't was think that Bo was there. It was it was it was in Austin, right? No, so that was the following year. So this oh, was he ran over BYU. us both years. So do you remember uh, I don't know. Is that the one with the really game. late the really late rain delay? Like the yeah. six, eight hour game or something? Yeah, I remember it. I don't know if I watched it with you or not, but yeah. Um but yeah, Taysom Hill, he came into our lives. He rushed him alone rushed for 259 yards that game. <laughs> 15 yards a carry, which during the season we always talk about if it's like over five yards is pretty good, over six is really good. If you're at seven, it's like elite. He rushed for 15 yards a carry against us. Just insane. And BYU rushed for 550 yards total. This is definitely the beginning of the end for Mac. Manny Diaz gets fired. Uh, just a lot of things going downhill. Um, we ended up losing to Baylor in the Big 12, de facto Big 12 championship, uh, where it got really cold and icy and kind of gross. And then, yeah, this is the end of the golden era of Texas athletics. Mac Brown and DeLoss Dodds are gone. Also, Bill Powers leave, uh, leaves as well. So, um, but this was the time where we all thought Saban was coming to Austin. Um, how optimistic were y'all that Saban was going to come to Austin? Uh, like, out of one out of ten scale. I probably was like a 4.5. Okay, so cautiously optimistic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's fair. I feel like I feel like when they had all the the real estate kind of news around Mrs. Sabin coming in and looking at houses, I was like, I didn't. I mean, now like looking back, like you can see like how much was planted and stuff, but like that was just such a weird thing to like to fake. So it just felt pretty real that it was going to happen. Yeah. And honestly, they missed out. I, I hope they bought some real estate at the time because so they would have made a killing <laughs> if they did. No but, kidding. But uh, I don't think Saban's hurting for cash nowadays with the Mercedes Benz dealership sale or whatever he just had. But, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. Mac was, was going to resign and not resign and, some people think that influenced Saban to not come. Who really knows if Saban was actually going to come to Texas or not? I was probably more optimistic than y'all. But at the end of the day, Mac leaves. Saban does not come. And here comes Charlie Strong, which after a lengthy uh, after a lengthy coaching search, which involved multiple coaches telling us no, which that was a uh, quite the gut punch we get charlie strong and uh i don't re i don't know if y'all remember what red mccombs said but after the strong hiring he said he was pretty pissed off that uh he was not able to um have more input in the coaching search and he had a quote i forget with who but he had a quote saying that charlie was was going to be a great he would be a great position coach but not a great head coach which a lot of people took that in a million different directions. But yeah, let's just say boosters were not optimistic about, about Charlie. And, you know, ultimately Charlie did not prove um, to be the coach um, with a lot of success at Texas, but 
Yeah, uh, 2014, 2015, 2016. So that's kind of the tail end of our college careers. Um, and then the start of our professional lives, which is kind of weird to think about. But um, do y'all have like a favorite Charlie memory? It can be good or bad. I don't know. Just anything that comes to mind. Oh, man. What what bad times. Bad, bad times. Um, I think it was 2016, if I'm not mistaken, where what was our record that year? Were we six and seven? Five and five and seven. Uh, we ended up being five and seven. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I think that was the year I went to seven games, and six of the seven games I went to were all losses. So <laughs> I went, I went one and I went one and six one year, and I think it was that year. And the one win was Notre Dame, which was like the first week of the season. So <laughs> I think I went like I think that was the year. It could have been the next year. <laughs> I'm not sure. It was just bad, man. So many losses. My record in the Charlie Strong era of games attended was just way worse than even Charlie Strong's record. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was not good. And Jake, can you tell everyone what happened after the Notre oh, Dame game? Gosh. Yeah, the Notre Dame was amazing. Two overtime. Well, the the second the second Notre Dame. We went to both. We made a road trip up to um the first uh, one south end for the first one which was fun even though we lost 38-3 but the the second one um yeah that game was sunday of labor day weekend everybody's in town has the day off some people went downtown i think bowen went downtown um everyone's having a blast i had to go to bed and got in bed it was double overtime so it was really late 2 a.m so i could get up and be at my job the chicken plant which we'll have to talk about some other time where i worked in the <laughs> that, safety that's department. a whole that's a whole nother pod <laughs> yeah where i worked in the safety department um and i had to be there at 6 a.m so i got like two hours of sleep and then had to drive two hours to work on labor day um but anyway it was it was worth it <laughs> yeah that was that was a great great memory that I'm thankful that I didn't really have to be a part of that part of the Notre Dame game. But Bowen, what about you? I feel like the thing that I look back on with Charlie is um I think it was our junior year when we beat OU and his like iconic like finger point at the end at the post game with the golden with the golden hat on. That was mm. I, I, I still remember that one. That's that was a that was a good that was a good moment in a in a not so great era, but that was that was fun. Yeah, that was a ton of fun. That came after losing to TCU fifty to seven, um, literally the week after that game. So that was an awesome game. Somehow we beat an OU team that went to the college football playoff. Uh, for me, kind of like random memory, twenty fifteen we played Kansas State at home, and mm. there was a hurricane that hit. Uh, Mexico and we kind of got the after effects Jake is probably shaking his head at my weather terminology <laughs> right now it's not great but essentially we got like the after effects of the hurricane and it was just torrential rain the whole game I don't know how many inches it rained that game but it was a lot and we all got so soaked it was freezing the the water like I love Survivor the TV show and anytime it rains on the show the players are like oh I'm so cold I'm like a tropical paradise okay it's not that cold <laughs> but after going through that game all i wanted to do was be warm <laughs> <laughs> it was so cold to be rained on for four and a half hours straight oh yeah my feet my feet were definitely like cramping up after that game <laughs> it was so cold um but yeah we it probably was... in suits and boots too if i had to guess it was senior uh, year, so I went to the game in in a swimsuit. Did y'all not go in swimsuits? I don't know. Uh, who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I mean that was a while ago, so who really knows our outfits? But um, yeah. Then lastly, last thing I want to say about the Charlie era is Charlie, Mike Perrin, and Greg Vinves had to fly to Tulsa to woo over Sterling Gilbert to come be the offensive coordinator at Texas because they botched the original offer to Gilbert. And so that was a 
that was a pretty wild thing to think about that we had to go to that length to bring in an offensive coordinator at Tulsa. Uh, just showed where the program was at the time. And then at the end of Charlie's reign, he uh, had a memorable quote. And I think this was the week after we lost to Kansas, which uh, was not the only time we lost to Kansas during this time. But uh, he reiterated that the cake is baked. All we need is the icing. So now with the next coach, did he bring the icing? Uh, I don't know. We, uh, I don't think he really did. But uh, yeah, Tom Herman, he danced with two girls at the prom and brought went home with one and ended up being Texas. So Texas got the darling of the coaching search that year while LSU got Coach O, which Golly. interesting paths. Um would have been really interesting if Herman stayed at LSU. Um, I don't think they would have won a national championship if he would have stayed there. Uh, so this is 2017 now. Um, yeah. And then Jake, Bowen, and I, um, we had an interesting experience in Los Angeles, also referred to as Kabul. Now, if you are a geography nerd, that's not the per- like correct pronunciation of that city, but yeah, that's what we refer referred as. And uh yeah, just a lot of things that happened that trip. Again, that's probably another pod for another day, but I don't that was know. when we played USC in LA and it was awful. Yeah. It, long story short, we went to the wrong side of town and uh we uh thankfully we survived. But <laughs> uh but oh well. Uh but yeah, don't book an Airbnb in the wrong part of uh wrong part of Los Angeles. That's a lesson of the day. But yeah, Tom, his first season, there was some optimism. There wasn't. Um, there's uh, you know, we finally win a bowl game that year. Um, so again, we're kind of going into the next season with some optimism. But we lost to Maryland in 2017, and sure enough, we lost to them again in 2018 couldn't get much more embarrassing than that everyone was poking fun at texas but but texas finally came back and um we ended up winning six more uh, six straight games after that and this was really the only good season during this time frame but uh yeah in 2018 did y'all think texas was actually back by the end of that season uh, what do you think bo I don't know. I, I I'm trying to think back of how I felt in the moment. The the lowest I maybe ever I felt, did. Yeah, the lowest I ever felt was after that second Maryland loss as a Texas fan. Um, and then That's the following rough. week we barely, and I mean barely, beat Tulsa. So wasn't it Tulsa? I think it was Tulsa. Yeah, it was Tulsa. And it was like, oh my god! I just have a distinct memory of Garrett, our our friend Garrett, was staying with us. After the Tulsa win, we were like, holy cow, we are terrible. And I think we went and bought ice cream. We're like, <laughs> we like went and bought ice cream and hung out. Like didn't watch oh college gosh. football final or anything that night. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was pretty pumped by the end of the year, though. Um, I would say, yeah, I thought we were. Yeah. 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 Um... Yeah, I was uh I was definitely I was definitely optimistic, definitely more optimistic right now than I was then, but I really thought we had a lot of potential and going to 2019, I was I was thinking we had a real chance to go to the college football playoff. Looking back on that now is kind of hilarious, but yeah, we had a lot of we had a lot of momentum. We had a huge matchup against LSU um in the beginning of the season and I had to miss that for a wedding, which Thankful to go to that wedding. It was one of my really good friends growing up. But, yeah, ended up missing that game. Um, lots of third and 17 jokes after that after that game that we still continue to have. I think against Bama this year, we gave up a third and 17 and kind of had a PTSD after that happened. But, yeah, we ended up losing barely to LSU that game. But this was our first road trip since the, the – um la trip that we took and where else where else could we take that trip 
other than beautiful state of Iowa. But yeah, so we we went to Iowa. It was um, ob obviously not not very similar to Los Angeles, but we had a great time and um, we had our hopes and dreams crushed by a kicker named Ass Alley. So <laughs> <laughs> he was a he was a Ass thorn Alley. in our side. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> we don't really need to talk. More the about thorn that, in our I mean, side, but... huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, man, that was rough. The cyclone warnings. That was yeah, uh, cyclone was alert. <laughs> uh, the, that trip was also known as Kevin's bachelor party. Um, so <laughs> if y'all ever see Kevin out and about, talk to him about his bachelor party. Um, so going to 2020, I think a lot of Texas fans were optimistic about that year. Uh, thinking that it was going to be the year for Texas, um, but it ended up being the COVID season. We had the Eyes of Texas debacle where Sam Ellinger was the only one that sung the Eyes of Texas after the four-overtime loss to OU. Um, we didn't make the Big 12 championship because Dicker missed a 57-yard field goal against Iowa State at the end of the game. Herman is fired. Now it's into the Sark era. Um <laughs> Were y'all were y'all excited for Sark when he was hired? Uh, I was. I think I was excited. I, I it was like him or Urban, right? I mean, I I think like he was just really hot from Bama or Sark. Sorry, Sark was from Bama, and so I think we were just really excited to be able to ride the coattails of that. I I was. I shouldn't speak for the fan base, but I I personally was. I've always been an optimistic Texas fan, so. I was like, who are we going after? Who are we going to get? And they announced, and I was like, I think Andrew, Andrew, actually, you were pretty big on it and saying, hey, we need to go after an offensive coordinator. Um, we don't need to go find the hottest head coach out there. I think you said that. Maybe not. But, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. I was, I was, I was in. I liked it. It was a good hire. Yeah. And especially after the national championship game, Sark seemed like a really good hire. 2021 obviously didn't lead, uh, didn't turn out the way that we wanted, but ended up being a good thing in the long run, in my opinion. We had a lot of games where Texas kind of got out to lead and then they would lose it. Uh, kind of carried over it in 2022 as well, but there was bright spots in 2022 where um, with the Bama game, we probably should have won that game if it wasn't for Bryce Young. Um, if, uh, if it was... Any other quarterback almost um, probably would have been sacked on that last drive that Ryan Watts barely missed, but somehow was able to duck under it and run for, what, 25 yards to set up the game-winning field goal. We did beat OU that year, 49 to nothing. Um, biggest blowout in Texas history of um, of beating OU. Bijan wins the Doak Walker that year. A lot of positives going into 2023, and obviously 2023 – has been the kind of the fruit of what's been building with under Sarg. But yeah, overall, there's been a lot of things that have happened under um, under Texas since 2010. Um, maybe at some point, like I said before, we'll kind of discuss it a little bit more. But um, yeah, just happy, happy that we're in the position that we are right now. There was a lot of downtimes uh, since 2010, but obviously now we're kind of an upward trajectory and hopefully we continue that going into um, our bowl game against Washington. So after the, uh, after the ad, we're going to kind of break down the Washington game briefly before we go into betting corner. So uh, stick with us. This football on the 40 episode is brought to you by hospitology. Hospitology is a weekly newsletter written by fellow Longhorn Blake Madden. It covers interesting, not boring stories at the intersection of business and healthcare, like why Amazon bought One Medical, and interesting health tech startups paving the way for the future of healthcare. If you want to get smarter on the crazy world of healthcare, subscribe to Hospitology today at workweek.com forward slash brand forward slash hospitology. And we're back. As everyone knows, 
number three Texas is playing number two Washington in the New Orleans Superdome at 7.45 p.m. on New Year's Day. And if you haven't been watching ESPN for the last decade, you didn't, you may not have known that ESPN hosts the college football playoff with all of their special shows that they have on all of the time. So, yes, it's on ESPN. 7.45 p.m. New Year's Day. Andrew, do you have uh, any preview of this game for us? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So, were did either of y'all go to the Alamo Bowl last year? I forgot. I did, yes. Okay. So, we have played this game before. We literally played Washington in our bowl game last year. And it's interesting because Washington came into that game, kind of everyone that was re- – a lot of returners um, that were going to play this season where Texas had a decent amount of opt-outs. Bijan didn't play. Roshan didn't play. And Washington was kind of in control that whole time. But um, Texas ended up only losing by seven probably a little bit closer than how the game went. However, um, I think there was a lot of factors that went into that game, and I don't think that's necessarily a good indicator for um, this game going forward. But, um, but yeah, how are y'all feeling like going into this game? Very different teams than last year. Very, I mean, yeah, very different situation with the opt-outs too. Um, Washington's been impressive this year though. Uh, I, I mean, Andy, as perhaps you know better than anyone with your money line bet of Washington, uh, <laughs> beating Oregon twice is a big deal and also being a big underdog uh, both times. So just, yeah, Washington's an undefeated team. They've had stiff competition. They've played a, a decent schedule. They deserve to be number two in the country. I'm 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 a little nervous about all that. But also Texas is peaking at the right time, man. We Yeah, I'm I'm feeling good about it, but it's the college football playoff. It's good good teams, both sides of the <laughs> both sides of the field. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, obviously if Washington was not a good team, they would not be here right now. So um yeah, it's I mean, Washington has an explosive offense. They are undefeated for a reason and We'll dive into it in just one second. But, um, yeah, it, it just seems like Washington overall, they've had, like Jake said, the two impressive wins against Oregon. They've kind of squeaked out some other victories as well. But they found a way to win every single one of their games, which Texas did not uh, this season. So you got to give kudos to Washington. And, yeah, just kind of diving into things. Michael Penix, um I think he's in his 15th year of college. Uh, it seems like he's been here forever. Starting, He started out at Indiana. Then he transferred to uh, Washington. And, um, yeah, he's just been lining it up these last couple of years. I think he ended up second in the Heisman, right, Jake? Um, I'm not sure, but that sounds that sounds right. I think, he, third, I, I think he ended second. up second. Yeah. So, yeah, he ended up playing – he ended up coming in second, um, just an explosive, explosive left arm. He's threw over uh, 4,200 yards this year, loves the deep ball, throws a deep ball constantly. And um, interesting thing in the game last year, I forget the exact stat, but I think they threw like 10 balls over 20 yards against Texas last year, and they only completed one pass um, that long which is interesting because Texas has given up the deep ball a lot this year. So that will be an interesting like, trend to see um, going forward, uh, kind of continuing with their just like passing offense. Odunze and Polk both got over 1,000 yards catching uh, this year. So, um, yeah, they are just awesome receivers. They've been healthy this whole year. And McMillan – He's been hurt for a lot of the season, but he's also just a really dynamic receiver as well. They're very, all three of those guys are really good at 50 50 balls. They're all guys that probably would be number one receivers at, you know, 95% of the schools that in Division One, FBS, whatever. So, um, yeah, they're just awesome receivers. It's going to give Texas a lot of issues. And 
you know, that's really, I think that's going to be the biggest battle of the game is Texas, their cornerbacks versus the three talented receivers of Washington. If Texas can kind of hold their own, um, they don't necessarily need to stop them completely, nor will they, honestly. But if they're able to kind of hold their own, then I think Texas will be in pretty good shape. Um, they also like to run the ball uh, again amount. It, they're not just a passing team. Dylan Johnson, he has uh, rushed over 1,100 yards this season. Um, it will be interesting if Washington is having a lot of success throwing the ball. I wonder if a rush D, you know, they've been really stout all season. Will they have any difficulties um, containing the run, um, which has really not been the case, like I said, but Overall, I don't know. I I think there's a chance if they're really throwing the ball all over the place that the run lanes could open up a little bit. But yeah, what are y'all worried about uh, with the Washington offense? Thinking about just how dynamic their their passing game is, and um, you know, I've seen that of course as well. So against our somewhat maybe you, you I don't know if it's fair to say inconsistent or just kind of spotty slash have been rotating because of in and out of injury in and out of injuries with our secondary um I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see but I think you know it's it's same on the flip side with our with our receiving core too and our and our skill players so um yeah should be a fun one I think it's I think it's been tough because Washington has just been, um, you know, you could probably say like disrespected, like they've just been underdogs just pretty much all season, I guess. I mean, t- being 10 point underdogs in the Pac-12 championship game and to, to play the way that they did against Oregon, I mean, definitely a, a chip on the shoulder for sure. So um, they're going to be coming in with, with, uh, with a lot to prove for sure. Um, but I'm hoping with, with the extra time that Sark has to, um, you know, inject some more creativity and some some really cool things into the offense. I think I think it'll be a really cool showing. Yeah, for sure. And for how elite their offense is, their defense is, you know, they're not super dynamic. Uh, total defense are number ninetieth in the country. Um, passing yards allowed, they're one twenty in the country. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think where they just overall their defense or scoring defense is not very good either. They give up over 20, uh, about 24 points a game, which is kind of like middle of the pack. Um, just overall, they don't have an elite defense. I think Texas will be able to kind of put up some points and they're going to need to. I think Texas needs to score 30, 35 points to win this game. But just if we can kind of continue how we've been playing, we did against Tech like we did against Oklahoma State I think we're going to be able to do that it'll be an exciting game I think it'll be high scoring but I am optimistic about Texas and we'll see how um, what what comes with the Sugar Bowl but let's go into betting corner enough with the preview Bo take us away all right thanks Andy yeah thanks for that preview too Um, all right so this is the penultimate betting corner as Jake mentioned a quick refresh on the standings kevin absent but still in last place i am followed not too closely behind in third and then jake is actually in second y'all can remember and andy is in first place i mean we're all doing very poorly andy's at minus three units jake is at a little over minus nine units and kevin and i are way 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 beyond hope but for Jake and Andy, it is a pretty, pretty close, pretty close race to end it to 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 end out uh, the second season of betting corner. Um, going into this bowl season, well, the rest of the bowl season, but especially this uh, matchup against Washington, Texas are uh, minus four and a half point favorites. Um, over under the totals at sixty two and a half. So Vegas does expect a pretty high scoring affair. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're five and eight on hitting the over and 
Washington at six and seven on hitting the over as well. And um, we're both pretty spotty against the spread as well. We're seven, five and one against the spread and uh, Washington is six and six and one against the spread too. So um, no, no big, really, really glaring trends, but um, yeah, should be, should be a fun game. Are either of you two guys putting any money on the game? Jake, we'll, we'll start with you. Um, why don't we, why don't we start with the Texas game first and then we'll go elsewhere around uh, the rest of the bowls that we have going on. Yes, I am putting three units on Texas to cover the four and a half points. I think uh, the way we've played the last two games sets us up well. I Honestly, I think Texas is going to come out and dominate in this performance. Most of the games until last year, almost all of the college football playoff semifinal games have been blowouts one way or the other. Last year was an exception to that. But I, I think Texas might come out and blow Washington out. I really do. Wow, that it. is a hot take. I love it. I love I really it too. Do. I really do. I love it so much, in fact, that I agree. I'm just keeping it real simple this week. I'm doing 10 units on Texas covering four points against Washington. I'm beyond hope. I don't need to go for a long shot this year, but I feel like, you know, might just well just ride the vibes. Um, so, yeah, I'm, you know, we're going to all be together, most of us watching the game on, on January 1st. And so it'll be fun to fun to root alongside that. Um, looking at Kevin's bets, he doesn't have anything on this game. And Andy, I don't believe you do either. So we'll, Andy, we'll go back to you though on um, elsewhere around the rest of the games. What, what do you have for us? You know, with my betting strategy, I had to be bold to get into the place where I am right now. Um, and I got to finish off this season on a high note. And so I have a future on Washington. I have a future on Michigan. And so I just decided to keep it simple. 10 units on Bama to win the national championship. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's on the nice. night, not not on them uh, to win the next game. No. So on Bama to win the national championship. The reason why I did that is kind of looking into the future. Um, we'll see what happens with the Texas game, but depending on how Texas do uh, does this game, and I'm optimistic for Texas, but based on how they kind of come out and play uh, and if they're able to win, that will affect my strategy one way or another. So, um, yeah, just decided to go with Bama. What are, um, What are the odds? Uh, plus one eighty five, right, Bo? Yeah, he got it up. He got it at plus one eighty five when I put it in. Yeah, so so listeners, right now, if y'all heard that correctly, just to summarize, Andy has everybody in the playoff to win the Natty except for Texas. He has exposure <laughs> for all three other of our potential potential foes. So take that for what you will. I mean. It's not a it's not an indication of how I feel about Texas. <laughs> I'm just trying to play chess at this point. Four D so chess. Yeah. Just... <laughs> I'm trying to wrap my Essentially head if that. long story short, if Jake if Texas wins it all, I might be in a lot of trouble. So <laughs> if the other teams win, I I, I think I will be Jake. I, I like know. it. I, I like I, it. Some games. I don't know. I got I got in on the the Texas to win the Natty the week we lost to Oklahoma. So I got pretty good odds on that one. I know. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I don't know if if I could have made up for that. That that led yeah. into the reason why it went with Bama. Right. So you wanted I, to come? I, 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 like I see. I see what you're doing. You're 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 saying like the Texas wins the Natty. You don't really care if you lose betting corner, but any any other scenario, you're probably covered. Yes. Hmm. I like the strategy. All right, Jake, what about you? What do you like out there? Yeah, there's a few bowl games I like. Um, I'm I'm just sticking to the New Year's Six because I think we should abolish every other bowl game at this point. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> I haven't watched a single bowl game yet. Um, I, I don't really think it's boring at this point. No one plays. They all opt out. No one goes to the games. They're they're kind of lame. It becomes a marketing ploy. Oh, what's your favorite Pop-Tart? It's like, okay, who cares? Who cares about the Pop-Tart Bowl? All right, anyway, rant done. The 
So I'm going to watch the New Year's Six games. And uh, I think Ohio State only being one and a half point favorites over Missouri is interesting. Um, so I like Ohio State in that game. I also like Ole Miss plus four and a half over Penn State in the Peach Bowl. And uh, I like Alabama to cover the two over Michigan in the Rose Bowl. So those I'll put two units on all of them. And then I'm going to do a money line parlay of all four of the games, Texas, Ohio State, Ole Miss, and Alabama. Money line for one unit. Nice. All right. Um, let's see. Kevin sent me his. I guess a couple I'll call out. He still likes the Iowa Hawkeyes. He's taking their money line for two units. And he likes Oregon State. Uh, money line for two units as well so he's taking a couple underdogs we'll see um we'll see how that plays out but that should be that should be a fun one all right well thanks fellas i will get these bets in and best of luck to to everybody did anyone have um any time touchdown for for who ad mitchell adonai mitchell i should say I don't think anyone made that bet, right, Bo? No, I don't think so. Listeners out there, if you want to make a safe bet, <laughs> Adonai Mitchell has caught a touchdown pass in all four CFP games he's ever played in. This is his wow. fifth like one that he's going to play. I'm really confident he's going to score another touchdown in this game. So, Listeners, we are down a combined 120 units, but <laughs> listen to us. Uh, oh, do we need to call out that number again? 120 units in the red. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I all want right. Bowen, you need to Bowen, you need to go back and do that analysis you did earlier in the season. If we flipped every single bet this season, would we be in the green? <laughs> or in the black. So true. Say. So true. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> let's give our quick predictions for the game. Um Let's give a score prediction. Uh, Bowen, you go first. I'm going to say Texas 35, Washington 30. Nice. Andy? I'm going to go with 41-31 Texas. I think we cover. Nice. I'm going Texas 42, Washington 21, but that's a late score. Oh, wow. Wow. That's a late score wow. to, to make it only three scores. I really hope this happens. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I I I predicted a blowout a couple times this year correctly, and a couple times I have been incorrect. So all right. Well, that was fun. That brings us to the end of this college football playoff preview episode of Football in the 40. We will be back because we have one more week of betting corner, but uh, we will also be back hopefully to preview the national championship game. If Texas is in that game. Um, if not, we will come back and just give a recap of the season before we close out this season of football in the 40. So we'll be back at least one more time, but uh, so, so stay tuned, check us out on our social medias to find out when that will be. And uh, until then we will catch you on the next football in the 40. Welcome. Welcome. Hook 'em.